Hi guys, what is going on and welcome back to the Tipped Out Podcast. This is episode 23 and this is going to be our first mini-series now into the chipping realm. So today is going to be all about the bump and run, the chip, how we set up for it and when the best time to use this type of shot shape or this type of shot selection is. So the first piece we want to talk about here um, is going to be like what is a chip? Right in our last podcast, we kind of went through we went through the chip, uh, pitch kind of flop. So this will kind of be a little bit of a refresher. If you haven't seen it yet, please go ahead and check out the previous episode. So a chip, a chip is something that's going to be running along the ground, almost like a putt. It's basically a longer version of a putt, if you would. We want the ball rolling as quickly as possible, and it is not a high trajectory shot. It's very low. And the setup is almost identical to a putter. But now we're just using a more lofted club. So uh, without further ado, didn't do it. It's the first time I have never introduced myself or the co-host. But Brandon Palmer here from Balanced Performance Golf with my co-host, Danny Christie from Danny Christie Golf. Danny, how are you doing today, bro? I'm doing well. How are you, BP? I'm solid, man. Other than these uh, couple of technical difficulties we have here, uh, everything's, everything's incredible. Yes, this is um, definitely a, a growing pain for us, and I think it has to do with more our internet connections than anything, but it's something we're definitely trying to work through and uh, overcome, but if these next couple episodes are a little choppy and yeah, a little... If you guys, uh, if there's any time we have, yeah, we're definitely going to be talking over each other, having some long pauses. We'll try and clean those up in editing, but... If we can't, just bear with us. We'll uh, we'll make do with what we got. So, Danny, if you'd like to, uh, please kind of walk us through when to use a chip shot versus the other choices we have, a pitch, flop. Um, yeah, I guess pitching a flop or a putt even. When would you use a chip versus the ladder? Definitely. Um, so, again, like you said, this is just kind of a refresher of, of last episode, but I would mainly just use a chip when I am trying to cover a little bit of uh, the ground in the air, just trying to cover a little bit, and then the rest is just going to be roll. I mean, first first rule is kind of like putt as much as you can, um, and then once you have a little rough to go over, to go over or a good amount of fringe, we're going to want to take that uh, that whatever club you want, mid iron, short iron, um, wedge, and we're going to hit that little bump and run. Um, there's really not a, uh, a time that you have to do it. It's more preference, but if you can kind of get, get skilled with the, the bump and run, it can be a very, uh, useful weapon to have in the arsenal. Uh, so in the simplest terms possible, I'm going to give you guys a simple kind of four step chipping model, and then we'll go through and kind of piece those together. Maybe give you a little bit more insight on each of these four steps. So for chipping, the setup is going to be Stand as close to the ball at a dress as you do when you're putting. So our eyes are just inside the ball, if not right on top of it. And so now we're going to be able to get that close because we're going to be now for step two or piece two is going to be set the chipping iron on the ground so that it sits on the toe of the club. Now, usually we're back far enough away where the club is sold properly, meaning the flat part of the club is fully on the ground. But now, in order to kind of pierce through and also 
decrease resistance from club to turf, we're going to be putting that club on its toe. So the heel of the club is up off the ground. And then we're going to be using for number three, step three, we're going to be using a putting stroke with, like Danny said, a mid-iron. Uh, really, you can use an array of clubs. So four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Depends on literally how far you kind of want to fly the ball and how much length of swing uh, you want to use. And the fourth and final, uh, change the height of the shot by altering the lofts of the club. So with this shot, we want to keep it as simple as possible. Hence, this is like the next step from putting, or we use our putting stroke with now a chipping iron or an iron. Um, so we don't really want to create a whole different type of shot shape yet or shot process. Very simple, putter driven, and we change the shot height by going from a four iron to a six iron. We don't want to add loft. We don't want to scoop. We don't want to flip our hands. Uh, we don't want to hinge a whole lot. So it's very simple, back and through just as a putting stroke. If you want to hit a putt farther, you wouldn't, you know, hinge your wrist and now smack the putter back into the backside of the ball. You would just make a little longer stroke, right? So it's the same thing we're doing here. Uh, so, Danny, off those four simple kind of setup tips, is there anything more intricate you have uh, starting with the basics of setup, you know, standing closer to the ball? Is there anything with grip or club face you'd like to mention? Um, Yeah, definitely. So... Uh, your grip is going to be pretty similar to um, your full swing grip. That's kind of the one one difference I noticed. I mean, there are variations you could do. You can do your putter grip. I, I recommend um, a full swing grip just because that gives your uh, your hands a little more. You're, you're not swinging a putter. I mean, you're swinging an iron. So it's just a little bit of a different. The grip on the actual club is different. The literal rubber grip on the club is different. It's not the same as a putter grip. So I like to have um, my normal grip, my full swing grip on there. Um, and then I, again, though, similar to putter, um, think about how your right hand controls that face. So when your right hand's on there and it's set up um, with a square face, understand that it must maintain that um, position on the grip to keep the face square. Or if you want to hood it a little bit and make it run out a little bit more, um, you know, you can adjust for that accordingly uh, by either manipulating your hands or just manipulating the club face at setup. And that's going to actually leak into our full or our bigger chips and pitches with, um, you know, opening up the face. Um, and then again, choking down. I don't know if you mentioned that, but um, we want to be choked down. And then um, the more, uh, upright posture, which I believe you mentioned. And one thing that I love that you have mentioned previously to me, Palmer, is um, the knees and the toes being more open to the target and the knees in, in what we would say an impact position. And I'd actually like to let you go into a little more detail on that because I really liked the way you talked to me about that about a week ago. Definitely. So before we even get into the uh, lower body kind of posture, I do want to touch on a little bit of grit too. So a little bit of contradicting to Danny or not even contradicting, just definitely in any time in golf, there's going to be so many different ways to do things. If you look at the pros, you're going to see them do a lot of great things and a lot of weird ways and vice versa. So for me personally, my individual preference when like hitting this bump and run shot, I definitely have the grip more in the palm of my hands and I also have it a little bit weaker. So with my my full swing grip or my, yeah, I guess my full swing grip, 
is definitely more two or three knuckles uh, with that top hand, meaning pretty strong position. When I hit bump and runs or most of the time wedge shots, I do like to turn my top hand a little weaker, meaning when I look down, I'm seeing possibly one knuckle instead of two or three. That just kind of helps me uh, pull through the shot or at least accelerate through the shot a little more without fully releasing that face or basically hitting like a hook chip. Um, but Danny, to kind of touch on the piece that you uh, segued into is how our feet should be kind of set as well as our knees. So when we're picture yourself setting up next to a bump and run chip shot, I'll set the scene for us. So we're setting up right on the fringe. We've got a shot probably, let's just say 20 foot chip, basically. I've got my eight iron, got my grip all set. Now it's time to kind of set the lower body. So what I'm going to do is, as a right-handed golfer, I'm going to turn my toes left. My feet and my heels are really close together. When we're standing wide, we want to hit a far shot. We have our feet wider so that we can incorporate and kind of promote a weight shift. When we're chipping, we don't really need much of a weight shift, if any at all. So feet are close together. My toes are aligned left. Now when I align my toes left or open them, What's happening is my sternum or my swing center is getting a little in front of that ball. That's going to kind of ensure our weight is basically 60-40 or 70-30 on that front foot. Make sure it stays there throughout the motion. Again, we don't need weight shift. And then from there, it's just going to promote that descending blow on the ball. We don't want to lean back. We don't want to hang back. We don't want to scoop this shot. This is something we want that ball, the club to work down in the back of the ball, catch ball first, and then some. So I like to really think about those knees being an impact position. So soft knee bend, toes align left. Our sternum will be just left of that golf ball because of our position of our toes. And from there, I like to try and think about landing the fourth groove up from the bottom on the club on the back of the ball. That kind of helps me ensure that I'm going up the ramp, down the ramp, into the back of the ball, not hanging back or hitting it heavy whatsoever. So any any last piece there, Danny? Any other piece on the setup or even the motion itself? That was a, a little bit of a tangent there for me. Um, I just want to kind of reinforce kind of what you just said. Um, I really like to teach – um, bump and run chips to beginners or even people I'm trying to improve their full swing. Um, it's a great way of creating a mini impact for um, golfers of all skill levels, really. Uh, it's a great way to get someone to feel the idea of compression and impacting the ball the right way. And all the stuff that you just mentioned um, with that setup with the toes pointing left, that opens your hips a little bit. That gets your swing center a little bit um, more in front of the ball, which then creates that good compressing, descending blow. Um, that's really, those are all things that we do in our full swing and we build out in a good impact position. Um, and that relates into that chipping position. So it's a great way to start to feel the correct impact position. A hundred percent. I couldn't agree more, man. It's really all about contact. And especially with this shot, it's, it's crucial that our setup 
is generally close to what is seen across the board. So with putting, with chipping, with full swing, with everything to do with golf, even the mental side of it, there's always going to be outliers. There's always going to be differences um, and individualities. That's what makes it so incredible of a sport. But we want to kind of have the fundamentals, especially as beginner golfers. We want to be taught as simple and as, um, I don't want to say correct as possible, but as simple and as straightforward as possible. So like Danny said, those simplicities of contact and setup are crucial. You know, we at the academy, we work on it day in and day out. The step one and two of the takeaways, the setup for chipping always. It doesn't matter how old you are or your your real um, skill level within the game. We can always clean up on the basics, especially grip, aim, and posture. So uh, a kind of little piece as to getting into the motion or practicing this motion, it's best, let me know, Danny, if you agree or disagree, I like to really work on these bump and run shots with an assortment of clubs, um, really to kind of ingrain a feel in my hands. Again, our hands are the only thing that marry us to that golf club. So we better have some pretty soft, supple, and lively hands, so to speak, in terms of you know how we get information back from the shot. So I like to sometimes hit shots from the heel, the center of the face, and the toe, try and see if I can feel the difference, as well as just using an assortment of clubs from three wood and hybrid, you know, a little bit from a little bit longer of rough or a little longer of grass, still a bump and run shot, same setup, uh, same grip, same putter length and speed kind of stroke. And then going into the five, six irons for the real long bump and runs, the very, very short kind of strokes, um, as well as working into maybe the same exact option, but with like a pitching wedge that's going to be, you know, go a little bit higher, but also roll a little bit as well. So it's really just messing around with it, seeing what lie um, the ball comes out best, seeing what the lie does to the roll of the ball, seeing how shutting the face a little bit, open it a little bit, uh, changing the difference in speed and length. Those are really the only two things we want to change for this shot is club, speed, and length. We don't really change our um, our process, so to speak. It's just simple setup, change the club, either hit it faster or just make a longer stroke. So anything to kind of add with that, Danny? It's kind of just the talk through of how to really practice or get used to the bump and run shot. In my opinion, before I, before I let you go, my opinion, anytime we really get a hold of amateur golfers or even any golfer for that matter, it's really fun to spin a wedge off a green or just spin a wedge in general or just hit a high shot. So when you're used to only using a super lofted club, one, it brings about a lot more ability or room for error. So it's a pretty inconsistent shot. takes a lot of time and practice. But also now they go from having that 60-degree wedge full swing to now you put a 6-iron in their hand and they hit it way over the green. and Oh, that doesn't work. That That's terrible. It's just something we kind of really have to practice and have some finesse with, right? Have some soft hands around the green. So, and Danny, anything you'd like to add? Definitely. Um, that is well said because soft hands are very important. And I think that it's a real problem with the amount of people that fall in love with their sand wedge or their lob wedge when they could probably be a little more consistent 
um, just day in and day out learning how to use their eight, their seven, their six, and have a little more feel, a little more touch. Um, because those those skills are very important. Um, the soft hands, reactive hands, that's what really teaches you how to compress the ball the right way. Um, and and just one thing, I don't know if I even mentioned this, which honestly is kind of the whole point of this episode for me is um, just being direct with a, a setup, um, a correct setup for bumping around. And I'm sorry because I've been a little distracted with our are just terrible um, connection situation we're having, but um, I would the the way I teach it is feet together, ball uh, in the back of your stance, hands at your front pocket, with that gives you that little bit of forward shaft lean, like Palmer mentioned. Get the heel just a little bit off the ground; doesn't have to be a ton. Um, get your triangle set, which is the triangle you're arms and your shoulders and chest make once they're on the club lock that in have soft hands and then rock back and through similar to that of a putting stroke um, and you should see some pretty consistent um, and easy results it's really not hard once you get the right right technique you just have to learn it the right way 100 percent, and that's that's huge danny i definitely i don't know how we missed ball position until that point right there or maybe it just slipped my mind but Ball position, ball, ball position is so crucial. So that's another thing to mess around with. Sometimes when we turn our feet to the left, it's going to give the illusion that the ball is far more back than it is. At the same time, the old teaching is super ball back. Like, you know, a foot behind your trail foot is where the ball is and then hands way forward. And it's, it's, uh, Sometimes to me, that's almost far more of a difficult shot to handle and predict than, you know, like putting it off our front foot, so to speak. So mess around with ball position. For me, again, individually, my grip is different than Daniel's and as well as my ball position most of the time. I tend to play my ball too far forward, so maybe I wouldn't, it wouldn't hurt to take a bit of that advice, but uh, I like to play the ball in the middle of my stance and then really try and, um, return my hands to that impact position like Danny said you know his hands are by that front pocket I like to kind of leave my handle just ahead of the ball at impact as well that gives it the nice compression that gives it that uh, ball then turf contact now that's not always the case for certain shots we want to deliver the club head the handle the hands differently depending on the shot so for the bump and run hands ahead of the ball uh, we're descending below, and it's basically ball middle or ball back. And it's a very short stroke back and through. Um, really trying to think of any other kind of scenario, any other piece of setup. Anything really jumping out at you, Dan? The only thing I can really think to add here is just tell me if you agree with me on with this or agree with me on this, Brandon, because I feel like when we open up, um, that's actually a really good way of also naturally getting our hands a little more forward. Um, I think that when we do that, it literally, if you if you were to stand straight up right now and then open your feet up to the left just a little bit and uh, let your body align with those feet, just watch how your hand moves. It's going to just move a little bit forward. 
for those lucky enough to be viewing this on YouTube, you're going to get a little bit of a uh, little visual here. So you can't see the bottom, but as I stand, we like to say this is my necktie, correct? This is where my, if I was wearing a formal tie would be. So my feet are currently pointed forward. Now, if I turn them left, now look where my sternum hangs. My sternum is hanging left. My feet go forward, they're here. My feet go left, my sternum hangs to where the forward of the ball would be. So that's what we're talking about. When you align your toes left as a right-handed golfer, it's going to be putting your swing center, your weight, um, and basically all the energy forward and just sustained on that lead leg. A lot of times I just see such a big weight shift to that trail side, mostly because our stance is too wide or because um, our weight distribution at address isn't correct. we got to get those feet aligned left, knees in that soft impact position, and we, we keep that there. Our legs should not straighten. Our weight should not shift. It's a bump and run shot. All we're really using is the shoulders, the chest, and the arms together, just as we do in a putting stroke. It's just a longer putting stroke with a different type of loft in our hand, Definitely. right? So that big piece is, yeah, the less loft we have, the further the ball goes. It seems super simple, and but trust me, People will put a six iron in their hand and hit it like they have a wedge and think it goes the same distance. It, it's not how it works. So less loft, ball goes farther and lower to the ground. Uh, more loft, higher and shorter, right? So simple rule of thumb there. But great piece, Danny. I, I totally agree with that. And I just want to – I think I'll just end with this, um, especially considering going forward we're going to be going into pitching. If you can learn this solid bump and run and then – use a, a 60 degree wedge or a 58 or 56 or whatever you've got and use it in a bump and run fashion. We just lost. Oh my Hello? goodness. Hello. I was just about to tell you we lost Mr. Christie. He is back and I can almost guarantee you we lost the entirety of that podcast. No, we did not, I don't think. I think we're chilling. But he is back. I, you think I think we're going to be all right. It still says recording for me, so hopefully we'll be fine. Um, as I was saying, okay, if you can just bump and run, <laughs> use that setup we just learned, and bump and run, do that with, with your highest lofty club, you're going to be able to get away with a lot and not even ever have to pitch or, you know, flop. I mean – you can hit that shot pretty effectively with a, with a higher loft club. It'll go pretty pretty high and land pretty soft. I mean, you learn a solid bump and run, you've got 80% of your short game shots down. And we'll talk about this. We'll talk about it going forward, but anytime you're really hitting a flop, there's a reason you're there. Like a flop shot is not a normal shot. Like you're in trouble. So anytime you're hitting a bump and run, you're either very close to the green or on the front edge. So it's, it's not the worst shot. It's not sometimes it's not the most fun. But I don't know about you guys, but birdies and low scores are fun to me. I don't always have to hit that flop shot. Yeah. So that's just a part about maturing as a golfer, you know? Get the ball in the hole. Play play uh play boring golf. Definitely. Boring golf wins tournaments. Definitely. So I'm not sure if you have anything else to add, Mr. Christie. I'm I'm quite finished here on the uh first episode of our short game series. As am I. 
Uh, hopefully we did not lose that podcast. Pray to God. Well, if we, if we lost the podcast, you are not hearing this. But if we didn't lose it, well, I guess we will see you in episode 24. <laughs> is that what it is? Episode 24. Um, yeah, our next one will be 24. Next one's 24, baby. That's that's some easy math for you. What comes after 23? Nothing but 24. So once again, guys, we truly appreciate your time here listening to the Tipped Out Podcast. This has been episode 22. My goodness, it's episode 23. We just literally said the words, the numbers. <laughs> but episode 23, <laughs> oh my goodness, in absolute, absolute shambles because of this camera situation but nonetheless guys we really appreciate your time if you haven't yet please check out our uh instagram tipped underscore out on instagram as well as our personal so please reach out guys we have lots of stuff coming your way we'd love to do some swing analyzations for you and just get you guys some great information to help you lower your score so without further ado guys we will catch you in the next one Peace and love. Peace and love. If anybody's selling an internet router, hit me up, baby. <laughs> Contraband got that dope. Sometimes I don't feel alright. New girl on my face, she said she need a butt. That's why I don't feel alright. Catch me in the good mood, I just might. Stop talking, I'm breaking the bank. Yeah.